Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Hosts Phil Fagel and Jessica McGuire talk all things self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is designed to support the concepts found in the successful middle school, This We Believe, and is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education. To learn more, visit amle.org. Today's episode, The False Dichotomy of College or No College, with special guest, Jean Eddy. Hi, Phyllis. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Jessica? I'm great. Today, we are here with Jean Eddy, and Jean is the president and CEO of American Student Assistance, and she also has a new book coming out, Crisis Proofing Today's Learners. Jean, will you tell us a little bit about the book? Oh, sure. Absolutely. My pleasure. So uh, I I wrote the book because um, I really believe that kids today are not getting the information that they need or the opportunities they need to have the futures that they deserve. And so I wrote the book to engage parents, educators, policymakers, employers, so that people could come together and have a conversation about how could we change that. How could we really introduce kids to what they're good at, what they love to do, and how does that align with any career that they might be looking for? When you think about middle schoolers, it's really hard for them to try things that they're not likely to be good at or they don't think that they're going to be good at. So they often will foreclose on certain options to avoid the risk of not doing it well. Are there any strategies that you recommend educators use to help kids overcome their own resistance? Um, Boy, talk about an excellent question. Um, We did um, a number of pilot programs in Massachusetts with middle schools. Um, And I would have to say before I say another word that I just love middle school kids. They are as just as inquisitive as they can be and they are not so set in their ideas, like they're not high schoolers yet, so that all of their friends don't necessarily make this enormous impact on what they're thinking or what they're saying. So they're really willing to try and take a chance. I know they don't wanna fail, but they're more willing to take a chance than a kid who's a sophomore in high school. All of that being said, we were were approached um, by a particular school district in the middle of Massachusetts because this principal wanted to offer exploration classes to every seventh and eighth grader in the state, in in that district. And um, it was amazing to me. So anyway, I went out and I met the kids in these classes, saw what they were doing. They did uh, pre and post testing. And what was great about it was that kids discovered things that they found that they never thought they could be good at, but they were. And in other cases, they found things that they thought they might be good at and they hated and never wanted to do it again. And I think if we do more of those kinds of things, we can get past that of being, you know, I don't think I'm good at this, so I don't want to try it. I particularly was taken with the young women in the class um, who tried out computer science. Mm-hmm. Computer science is not necessarily something that young women gravitate to. And every single young kid I talked to, every young girl I talked to, um, loved it. I didn't have one person who didn't like it. 
And that said to me that there's hope here if we show that kids can try things without any, there's no downside. It's not failing if you don't like it. It's, I've discovered something. That's 100% true, I agree. One of the other challenges, it's kind of the foil to that, is convincing kids that you can do something simply because you like it, even if you're not good at it. And I see this with sports and all the sports oh, specialization yes. these days. There are so many kids who stop doing things that they enjoy because they suddenly in middle school recognize that they're not on that path toward collegiate athletics or greatness or whatever it is, and they're, they opt out themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that plays into your book or your work, but is that something you've seen as well? Uh, we abso I absolutely see it, and I would dare say that very often kids, and, I, and I'll speak from my own experience, I have a, a grandson who up until very recently thought that he was going to head for the NBA. There's no way in the world this kid can play the <laughs> NBA. There's no way. But, you know, he's a really good basketball player. Um, understanding that there are a number of avenues, apart from being a player on a team, that there's management, there's coaching, there's scheduling, there are a whole host of things that someone can do. It's our job to show kids all of the things you can do in those areas. And that's where we're failing right now. We need to show them the myriad of opportunities associated with any career path. When I was a new counselor, I did an internship. And I still remember my internship supervisor said to me, when you get your first counseling job, do not do a career day because it takes over your life, getting all the parents to volunteer, making it work, making all the pieces fit together. It wasn't that you didn't want the kids to have the exposure. It was that it felt disjointed and like a one-off thing as opposed to something that was baked in mm -hmm. to kids' experience, which at the time I took the advice as it's too much to do when you're a new counselor. Mm -hmm. But what I take from it now all these years later is that we have to find ways to bake it in and infuse it in everything. And I'm still struggling with the best ways to do that and who should be doing that within the school setting. I, I think that, I know that teachers have an awful lot on their plate. One of the things I talk about in the book is that, you know, how can we do things that augment what's happening in classrooms? Because it's not that anything I'm suggesting should replace what's happening in a classroom, but rather, how does it, how does it broaden? How does it complement what's happening there? I think, I for one like career fairs, and I'll tell you why. Because it opens a door. And, is, and if the door is opened, it, but again, if we open that door, we have to make sure there's information on the other side of it. And that's where I feel we fall down. And if we could figure out a way of what is the follow-on to a career day, again, for one counselor to do that, that's a ginormous task. But if there were something put in place where there was a systematic approach to how do we do this after our career day, what's the follow-on, I think it could be amazing. Yes. I hear you saying that we need to put relevance in everything we do at totally. school into kids' futures, mm -hmm. no matter what that looks like. And I heard you say this morning, and I believe it to be true probably in a lot of educational settings, that we put a lot of importance on educating kids so they can go on to higher education and go on to college and university. But I think we fall short sometimes on talking about other career paths. 
um, whether it be college, career, or military ready, Mm -hmm. um, what can schools do to put an emphasis across the board on all career paths, not just educating a student so they can go on to higher education? Um, we need to we need to integrate more information, which we don't have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really difficult for someone to think about. Well, first, if I back up a moment, there is still an enormous stigma about college and no college. There just is. Um, from the research that we've done, you know, parents will say on the one hand, you know, I would love it if my son or daughter explored any kind of rare career path. But at the end of the day, sixty percent of them say. Oh, but I would feel as though I'd failed if my son or daughter didn't go to college. And on the flip side of that, kids say the same thing. So how do we take away the college has to be for everybody uh, kind of mantra that we seem to have in the United States? I know it's particularly prevalent in Massachusetts. We're really pro- I grew snobby. up in Massachusetts, it's so I hear you. You know, it's just <laughs> snobby. I mean, there are more people with there are more people with bachelor's degrees in Massachusetts. We have loads of colleges and universities. I mean, it's part of the economic fabric of the place. Mm-hmm. And I think we just take it for granted that it's got to be college has got to be next. But again, there are so many kids who are on college campuses right now, they don't even know why they're there. And think about how expensive college is. It's a wonderful place to discover. It's an expensive place to discover. And so if we can do a better job prior to them having to make that kind of financial commitment, I think kids would have an easier time of it. But if you think about the jobs that we cannot fill, I'll talk about Massachusetts, the trades, Mm -hmm. plumbers, electricians, manufacturing, even in healthcare, some tech. Half of the time, more than half the time, kids don't know how to get there. They have no idea how to find that. That's a problem. We've got to work together to say, okay, fine. This is how you can get credentials in this space. And this is how you can have a really good, <clears throat> rewarding life pursuing one of these paths. But people don't have the information. And if they don't have it, how are they going to pursue it? I am from and live in a much different place than Massachusetts. So I'm from Wyoming. And you can make a living in my town and in our state without having a college education mm-hmm. and be very, very successful, as you can anywhere. But one thing I see our schools doing a lot in our state is partnering with skills, um, people who are in trades or skill work, Mm -hmm. and companies within our areas to have a pipeline from our schools right to employment Mm -hmm. with them. Because you can be very successful and provide for a family in a future by doing that. And so I'm wondering how that, as you're talking, I'm wondering how that looks different in a different setting and partnering with companies and different types of career pathways in the school and even in the middle school? Um, I think our employers need to become active participants in this. Yes. And I would say that up until the very recent past, I don't think they felt any pressure in having to do that. Now, with shortages all over the place and pipelines evaporating, employers are now realizing that they have to get involved in this process. I would dare say that most don't know how to do it. So that says to me that perhaps we should be doing a field trip to Wyoming (laughs) to introduce some of our employers to the employers out there because obviously you've figured out a way. Every time I have a conversation about this, I talk about the fact that, you know, 
plumbers. Plumbers in Massachusetts make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And my primary care physician often tells me that a plumber makes more money than a primary care physician. All of that being said, um, I would dare say that most plumbers that you know, their father was a plumber or their grandfather was a plumber or their uncle, but they had a way to get into that field. As that is stopping, it's mm -hmm. got everything to do with the fact that people are not introduced to these pathways in ways that even feel the least bit appealing to them. So we need to be communicating <clears throat> and providing students with the knowledge of all of the options. And I think that when employers aren't reaching into the school, it is to the school, as an educational leader, it's to the school, I think, to reach out and manufacture those opportunities for our kids. One of the things I'm thinking about as you're talking is that it's very hard, and my youngest is 15, and he's now able to get volunteer jobs and tutor younger kids, but a lot of organizations don't accept middle schoolers mm -hmm. as volunteers and underestimate how much they can contribute and deprive themselves of a really robust group of kids who would be able to contribute. And I feel like part of this too is convincing organizations and employers to give more experiential opportunities to younger students. I think that's so, which is why schools can play such an important role in this. <clears throat> Employers like the uh, credibility and also the accountability of what school systems bring, because frankly, most employers don't know how to do this. No, no knocks on Wyoming, because obviously they do. But I'm just <laughs> saying, for the ones that I've interacted with, they don't, and they want someone to help them do this. Um, I would say the dilemma here, to my way of thinking, is that we already ask our teachers to do too much. You know, there's only yeah. so many things you can pack into a day, and how, you know, how do you make those choices? How do you be able to, to put in the kinds of things you need to do in order to have the kind of apprenticeships or internships or practicums that you could do with middle school kids? Because I totally agree with you. Um, I talked to a school superintendent who's in Upper State New York was striking about the fact that she has actually added to each of the schools within her district, she's added a counselor, a teacher, who primarily does these, this very thing, that she oversees uh, apprenticeships and opportunities for kids and works with local employers to be able to have them do that. That's great. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff we need to do and fund. At, yes. at the public middle school I worked at about a decade ago, and I know they still do this, they would have career lunches where they would bring in either parents or members of the community. They would designate a classroom during lunch where kids could sign up and they would cap it at a certain number, bring their lunches to that classroom, and somebody would talk about their career, and they made a point of having that person emphasize their uneven journey mm -hmm. so that kids could see that it wasn't, you know, seventh grade straight line to success right, yeah. mm -hmm. and have reasonable expectations themselves. But it's not enough is what you're saying. We need to have more organized, long-term partnerships it, it, in place. For the kids who have an opportunity to do these kinds of things because someone was interested or on that particular day someone's parent came in and told this moving story, that's fabulous. And I've known many kids who have had those experiences. 
But if we really want to get to every kid, if we want to get to particularly those kids who are challenged in some way, then we have to start putting it into systems. It's the only way we can ensure that this is for everybody. And then we have AI, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, somehow or other, hopefully all of our middle schoolers will figure it out because it definitely wasn't easy, I know, for me to figure out what to do for a living. And I think even looking back on my own growing up, and I was in Newton, it was Newton, Massachusetts, uh-huh. very pre-professional, pre-college kind of oh, situation. Yes. A given. Yes, for yeah, sure. just a given. And I don't even remember being aware of a broad range mm-hmm. of careers. There were only a few careers that were open to mm-hmm. me, which meant it probably took an extra decade for me to figure out what I wanted to do. And I do think it would make a big difference if we could figure out a way to bake it in along kids' journey so that they're not forced to only learn once they're out of school entirely. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Jean, thanks so much for talking to us today. I appreciated the conversation about opening doors for our students and how we might do that. And I love that your book is for all sorts of stakeholders. Um, I heard you mention that it was for parents, students, and educators. And I think we all have an important piece in this puzzle that we're trying to put together for kids. Thanks so much for your time with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you.